0: Welcome to Soulcast, everyone listening at home. This is going to be a great one. I can feel it. Uh, I have with me Drew Tang and Nick Hinton, two of the most esoteric legends I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to break down a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, The main one that I wanted to tap into, because I think it's prevalent for everyone at home, uh, especially the way the mainstream narrative is developing. Of course, Elon Musk. Um... Some people think he's like this savior figure and Just from my observation. I I I think it's not what it seems uh, As you guys obviously know so why don't we break down? uh, Elon Musk his rise to popularity and how that is kind of playing into everything at the moment I know you talked about this or explained it to me, you know in depth the other night But Mm -hmm. what is what is this figure and is it what it seems?
1: Yeah, so, um, so yeah, first of all, Sobra, thanks again for having us on. This is, uh, it's amazing. Glad we could get together in person too. My too. pleasure. Yeah, thank you, man. Um, so yeah, just jumping straight into old, uh, Elon Musk here. I think the, uh, the most important aspect as always with, um, with public figures is, uh, you have to look into what their family was and what they were doing before the spotlight, um, yep. came on them. So everybody knows elon musk as being originally from south africa um, but they don't really talk about why his family was in south africa in the first place and it goes back to his uh grandfather who was in who lived in canada and he led the technocracy party there so technocracy for those who don't know is it's the idea of a civilization ruled by the experts as opposed to, and I put experts in quotations, because that's pretty subjective. Um, And uh, yeah, so anyways, it's a civilization ruled by experts as opposed to a democracy. So instead of voting for people, um, essentially it's, the ideal situation would be a uh, meritocracy of of kinds where the scientific experts rule society. now, that all sounds well and good. Sounds good and theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's coming from a, you know, looking at it from like a logical point of view, you think, okay, yeah, this sounds great. Um, really, though, what, what ends up happening in practice is who who chooses who's an expert or not, um, and the way that our society set up right now, if you want to you could the way it presents itself is very technocracy like and it's getting closer and closer all the time especially with musk like bill
2: gates and twitter censoring people
1: exactly where we're seeing aspects of society that used to be managed exclusively by the government mm-hmm. say global healthcare. um now we have international organizations which again sounds very nice you want everybody to work together organization right they're, they're <laughs> talking about you know they're worrying about health yeah, yeah yeah they're just helping everyone's help yeah um so it sounds all well and good until you realize that if something's international that just means that they have unelected control over all your nations so any nation that's a that is um you know uh managed by the who if uh they just you lose your sovereignty you no longer have control over your own nation and it's the equivalent of having a one world government without anybody actually agreeing to it um and so while we think of those organizations like the who as being international and fair and everybody's equal in reality it's mostly funded by bill gates the who is um trump had pulled our funding out of it but then he just I think he just started funding. Um, uh, I think he just gave the money to the Gates Foundation, anyways. I forget exactly where he reinvested that, but um, but yeah. So essentially, and Biden just signed a treaty, I believe, in January or February, that um, that's further going to give the who more control over our healthcare system. But to get back to the original technocracy point, that is an example of where it looks like it's a government organization but now it's essentially being run by bill gates and so again people are okay with that because they think oh bill gates oh he's a he was the richest man in the world he's so smart he made microsoft he he's doing a great job there's no way even people will defend him to the point of you know oh he would never do anything why why would you assume he, he gives all this money to charity there's no way he's he's got his own selfish uh, reasons for doing what he does even though he talks about he's on camera talking about how he makes like a 20x return when he invests in vaccines and, and other healthcare things
2: have you seen him say that the universe uh was made just for him yeah I believe yeah that, that was, too.
1: <laughs> was that uh, i think it was uh, like a time article yeah it was like yeah. 1997 uh, new york times interview and he literally says the guy um is asking him about his religious views and, like if he believes in god and he's like oh well I'm not even sure that the world wasn't, the universe wasn't made just for me. So like, pretty sociopathic thing. <laughs> and if you look into his, again, like very similar to what I'm talking about with Musk, is if you look into Gates' past before, you know, it's, it's not even, it's not even ancient history. It's, it's um, I forget when the trust busting lawsuit against Microsoft was, but it was early 2000s. And that's when he started. When he got negative press from that, which was essentially the government um, stopped him from monopolizing software with pre-installed Microsoft programs on all Windows PCs. Um, after that, after the bad press, that's when his uh, public reputation was at the lowest. He then um, started the Gates Foundation, so he rebranded himself as a philanthropist, and that's why he now controls essentially the entire. Uh, global health system just to tie this back to musk we can see it with musk where he's just like how gates has effectively taken over our healthcare system um musk has now taken over nasa which used to be you know a government organization um and he hasn't you know on paper he doesn't own nasa but spacex has essentially taken every bit of the role nasa had um with lots so- of the government funding as so- well yeah, exactly, and, um, and there's so much more about NASA, of course, but um, that kind of just goes to show you the, the idea of technocracy where we're, where we're drifting towards it already, again, without voting on it, um, so kind of against our will. But anyways, long story short, going back to Musk again, his grandfather was kicked out of Canada because of his um, associating with the technocracy party because the Canadian government rightly knew that this concept and this group was a threat to government. They knew that this this organization wanted to usurp government. Um, One of the most interesting, so anyways, he's kicked out to South South Africa, then he came back to Canada um, and then moved to the U.S. from there. But what's really interesting is that technocracy party, specifically, you can look at their documents, they specifically said their number one um, uh, goal was to track each person's individual carbon footprint and energy input and output. And we have seen um, just recently, I believe it was, yeah, at the World Economic Forum, their last meeting, I believe it was last month, um, they specifically talked about implementing that exact concept of individual carbon footprint tracking. Again, which sounds nice, but. Uh, what ends up happening is now the government has complete knowledge over every activity you do
2: and control um, over where you go you yeah. know how how far you can drive limiting travel and of course again
1: much... it sounds good to prevent uh, pollution but mm-hmm. then you look oh it's really only for the lower class the rich people can still do mm-hmm. whatever the fuck
0: they want yeah the eu uh, implemented carbon taxes Exemptions for private jet travel. Oh I mean, that's all you need to know. Like, you, <laughs> oh, just yeah. look at that. Like, that was oh like no, yesterday, wasn't it? we're not paying for taxes. Yeah. Like we're not limiting our stuff, but the you know the lower class, like you said, the average Joe, they're going to get royally screwed by this. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: and uh, another example of this as well is um, Debbie Stabenow, a uh, a government official from my home state of Michigan, was recently in Congress talking about gas prices, which of course. There you go. That's another uh, aspect of this um, coming technocracy is them artificially raising gas prices as much as possible to limit travel. It's essentially it's a pseudo lockdown because now, yeah, technically you can leave your house but you're not gonna get far on $10 a gallon gas. But Debbie Stabenow uh, was in Congress and she said, oh, I drove my electric car all the way Mm -hmm. from Michigan to DC and it didn't matter what the price Mm -hmm. was at the pump. But Congress actually gets a $1,000 a month stipend for leases on electric cars. So we were paying, we have both paid for her electric car and for her to, to drive it. So yeah. it's just, um, anybody who gets, who's like supporting this and thinks, Oh, to save the world, we have to let these government officials take complete control over not only the economy and the energy sector, but over our entire lives to the point that they're tracking us, it's just so insanely naive. Um, but yeah, so that's the first aspect of Musk is the technocracy aspect. That's essentially what his role is. Um, do you
2: want to talk yeah. about how old the idea of a technocracy is?
1: Yeah. So this, um, technocracy, really this kind of, um, In my research recently, what I've noticed is basically all these, if you want to look at the the ruling class and their goals, basically everything goes back to the works of Plato, which is, he's often referred to as the father of Western civilization. And um, it's pretty accurate from looking at um, kind of how society is being shaped to this day. Um, But Plato specifically, he talked about the ideal society. He had a lot of works on utopia, and what an ideal civilization would look like. Um, And he described technocracy, one of his scenarios, he had a few of them. Uh, One of his scenarios was a technocracy ruled by a philosopher king. So somebody that represented the peak of um, human development.
2: Right, so Um, he he didn't call it a technocracy, he called it a philosopher king. That was his ideal society, Mm -hmm. was a society ruled by like the wisest man, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Which again sounds great, but um, who decides who's the wisest? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
2: And uh, the other interesting thing I think that you should go into is that, like, uh, Plato is also uh, basically promoting the idea that people should breed wisely as well in this ideal society, which eugenics. goes, yeah, yeah, eugenics, which mm-hmm. goes back into all of this
1: yeah i I, that's a really important concept too so um it's no secret again people like bill gates these technocrats and of course the world um economic forum they're obsessed with depopulation which i mean they call it preventing overpopulation but that's just a complete myth Um, essentially where that idea started and that's actually where climate change originated too was this, after World War II, um, and people don't, uh, you know, again, people are, are not really aware of the history of eugenics, that whole concept, which is um, basically eliminating what uh, weaker parts of humanity, again, sounds nice, I guess, for some people, but um, again, it's, it's who decides w- what people deserve to, to live. Um, so the Nazis were actually taught eugenics by the Americans, um, and then they were all funded, um, uh, their eugenics institutes were funded by the Rockefeller Foundation who essentially Rockefellers walked so the Gates Foundation could run. They were the, the Rockefellers were the first one to have a foundation and, and use public relations and propaganda to fix their public image. and basically allow the um, allow themselves to rule society because everybody thought that um, Rockefeller was really cool because he did press events where he handed out dimes to children. Um, but yeah, uh, that's another aspect. And I think what's really important on this concept specifically is we've talked about the two technocrats so far, Musk and Gates. And you can see if you've been paying any attention to what's been going on with those two in the media is they're in public feuds, basically. Musk keeps calling him out about his association with Epstein. Um, He keeps calling him out about shorting Tesla while saying he's concerned about climate change. Um, And this topic specifically is the biggest difference between the two where Gates is obsessed with depopulation and Elon says the biggest threat to humanity is um, underpopulation. Essentially, he's the birth rate is not um, he thinks it's unsustainable at this rate, as far as um, we're going to have not enough people. Um, And that, I think, is the core of why so many people are now, um, you know, a bit big fans of Elon. They think he's, you know, going against the establishment. But this is what uh, this is what we call controlled opposition.
2: Yeah, that's, it was impossible for me to believe that he was some sort of savior figure after seeing him on SNL. Like, they made him look like a total idiot. Did you ever watch that?
1: No, I don't think I it, did.
2: It was the worst. We don't have to go into it, but I just, <laughs> wanted, I just wanted to mention it.
1: Well, he you just, you just seemed really stupid.
2: Yeah, they just made fun of him the whole time, and he, like, I don't know, it was just the fact that he played along with that at all just shows that he's controlled up, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... If he was
2: a respectable man, he would not have put himself in that position.
1: Mm-hmm. And... um. Of course the media too uh how do you form how do you get everybody to agree to essentially have their entire life dictated by one man one unelected man um is you need media you need propaganda um and that has we have seen the most extensive propaganda campaign of all time um to lead up to this point um And you can see how long, again, going back to kind of like Elon's origins and, um, and why, uh, what evidence there is for him to be, you know, a operation, um, and not be who he really says he is, um, is that Werner von Braun, uh, a Nazi scientist that the United States brought over in Operation Paperclip, he... Um, And he essentially, he was the chief architect of the Saturn V rocket. He he was basically the public face of NASA um, at the beginning of the space program. And he wrote a book called The Mars Project uh, in the early 50s. And in The Mars Project, he talks about a human colony on Mars. And guess what? It's a technocracy. And guess who the technocracy is run by? he's literally says, and I have this on my Twitter, of course, and anyone who follows me has probably seen it so many times that they're sick of it. But, um, in the Mars project book itself, it literally says the title of the leader of the Mars colony technocracy will be Elon. So yeah, it's just blatantly obvious to the point of even the rocket on the cover of the Mars project, um, book looks exactly like Elon's, um, mars rockets so it's just so blatantly obvious it's kind of disgusting
0: <laughs> so he's being set up as this savior figure uh you know pro free speech uh from the outset like you know twitter's censoring he's gonna buy a twitter he's gonna make everyone be able to speak their mind and everything uh do you think he's like i think on paper that looks good you know mm-hmm. someone that's not investigating it they're not aware they'll be like yeah cool someone's finally standing up to these uh, tech companies but i don't think they realize if he buys twitter he wants to do verification to get rid of the bots again which is good but mm-hmm. will that kind of lead into the one world government kind of objectives of no one being anonymous online right everyone being attached uh you know first of all be like yeah just verify yourself we can prove you not a bot and then Oh, now you gotta, you know, once you're verified, we can see what you are saying specifically. If it goes against what the regime is saying, then boom, you'll just be gone. Uh, You know, bank accounts linked to that, shut off from banking and all the rest of it.
1: That's exactly correct. So, and and that ties into uh, there's a few different directions they're coming at this to get people to accept this concept of having a digital id that that's universally accessible by every government that allows them to um, that's connected to your bank account for those who are familiar with the um the social credit score in china you'll be familiar with this idea where their entire society is surveilled by cameras so if the and the cameras have facial recognition so if they even see you jaywalk you'll be automatically fined your bank account will be drained and your social credit score will go down and if your social credit score goes down um, to a certain level you won't even be able to take public transit um and not to mention getting bank loans and stuff and that's for actual physical like um physical things they also watch your entire social media and if you ever say anything bad about them in public, that's again, you'll, your social credit score will get hit, and they have the ability to lock you out. Um, just to go back to the two aspects that they're going at this to get people to accept it, which I had a conversation with one of my friends, very good friend from high school, um, and she she's very lib for sure, but she's an intelligent person. So you know, I, I um, we have good conversations, but. I was having this conversation with her, and she was kind of trolling me about the thing. And she's like, "Oh well, I got the, so now I'm chipped." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's pretty funny. Except (laughs) it's not going to be a chip. It's going to be a digital ID that tracks everything you do." And she, her immediate knee jerk response is, "Oh, I'm okay with that because, you know, my uh, the government already has my records. I have a driver's license. I already have a credit score." I'm like, "That's always the argument." And I literally look up. I'm like, "Okay." again, like, and this is, this is a good tip for, for everybody out there who's trying to wake people up or, or trying to have an actual impact on people's mentality. It's you've just got to really, a lot of these people are just, they're just plain ignorant and they're not, um, you know, they're not malicious. So my response to that was just simply, okay, have you, are you familiar with the social credit score in China? And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, well, you should look that up. And then she looks it up and she's like, oh my God, this is horrifying. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, so you see what I'm talking about now? And she's like, okay, yeah, this uh, does seem like a like a bad idea.
2: Wasn't the social credit score an American idea that the Chinese just ran with way faster than us? I, th- I, think, I think I
1: heard that somewhere, but I can't
2: confirm that like right now, but.
1: <clears throat> but yeah, so those are the two at those are the two angles they're doing um, in Canada right now. They are where in the U.S. as far as um, certificates, uh, passports, we have just physical cards. But in Canada, for instance, with their socialized healthcare system, which look at this again, giving power—it sounds great, ooh, free healthcare. But then, oh, what happens? Your government gets complete control over your life. So their their system uh, is entered automatically in a in a national database by your doctor so they're already locked in and they essentially have they already have a digital id that they'll have to um, and they took these restrictions away i'm sure they're going to be back shortly but at one point they to get into walmart you had to fucking scan a uh, a qr code that's attached to this database so those two aspects of, Oh, and now we're all paying with Apple pay as well. So there's very shortly, I think, and an Apple, I think even implemented some type of passport type thing as well. But anyways, all these things are going to be combined very shortly. Um, and yeah, that's just another aspect of the plan that Elon, very good point. He, when he talks about buying Twitter, everyone's like, "Yes, thank God, oh, he'll will bring Trump back," and that's a whole other topic. But
2: I think they're socially engineering yeah. a civil war.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so as well. But um, yeah. So, so why do you go into that? Like, what
0: what's happening to create that, and how are they doing
2: Um, well, it's basically you know the Hegelian dialectic. You know, they're setting us up, or they're setting up a villain and a hero scenario. Like, Elon's our hero for some people, Gates is the hero, and vice versa but basically I think they're just radicalizing both sides. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they have created, through AI algorithms and all that stuff on Twitter, they have literally created echo chambers. I think that's why they're allowing us still, like if they wanted to get rid of free speech totally, they, they could, yeah. but um, I think they're allowing us all to be in these echo chambers to slowly radicalize each side left and right um, in order to just create total chaos and then out of chaos will come the new world order.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um...
2: And and that goes into the whole scenario that I think you wanted to get into, which is
1: Gates versus
2: uh, Musk is the same as, like, the Thanos versus Iron Man? Yeah.
1: So... And Marvel? Oh, yeah,
0: let's Mm -hmm. let's speak about um, Marvel (laughs) and that whole, like, arguably the biggest movie franchises in the world and have been over the last decade and a half, like, or some would say, the biggest propaganda pieces Mm -hmm. in the world
1: right now as well. Yes. side note, Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, so going into this is this is really at the core. You're talking about how how do you get a population to accept a savior, a false savior, to um, accept a rule, a global rule under one person, um, and you need an extensive propaganda campaign. In this case, Marvel is probably the most obvious. Um, propaganda um, operation of all time. Uh, first of all, I, again, going back to the origins of, of something to really find out what it's all about is comic books In after World War II and, and during World War II were the most easily accessible form of media. Um, you know, you didn't have to have a TV, you could take it anywhere, but they were, um, kids love them because they're the pictures and they're easy to understand, exciting. Um, so they were used as, um, they were used as propaganda. So um, Captain America, for instance, was started during World War II to specifically to, um, to get people uh, to go along with the war effort and uh, Captain America was used to sell war bonds. It, it, and you can see those advertisements if you look them up. Stan Lee, um, which everyone sees as the father of Marvel essentially, he in World War II was one of only 19 people to be hired by the army as a um, as a propagandist journalist. Um, so he had been working for the military already. Um, and then the name Marvel itself, and this goes into we'll, we'll talk about this later. But Marvel uh, is actually the first name of uh, Jack Parsons, who's a famous scientist who started Jet Propulsion Labs invented rocket fuel and is essentially essentially the father of NASA in a lot of ways. Without Jet Propulsion Labs there would be no NASA. Um
2: most importantly though he was the student of Lester Crowley. Yeah. So he's also
1: a <laughs> sex magician. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. so and, and as we go on you'll see how science and, and magic are, are very every great scientist who made a breakthrough was also an occultist.
2: Oppenheimer especially yeah,
1: his yeah. So there, so yeah. There's a lot of um, a lot of things to go into there, but just to go back to the Marvel aspect, so you can see. I mean, it's an obvious comparison at this point. It's almost not even worth pointing out that Iron Man is it represents Elon Musk. And what a lot of people aren't aware of is that Elon Musk was actually in Iron Man two, and Robert Downey Jr. specifically admits that he was basing his character, his acting of Tony Stark. He was basing it off of the mannerisms of Elon Musk. So he was trying to make the most popular, the most important series, the most important character, the most important series. So I'm just talking about from um, the first Iron Man movie that came out. It was the first of 22 movies ending in Endgame. And in Endgame, uh, spoiler alert, it takes place in uh, (laughs) 2023 and at the end of the movie again spoiler alert uh iron man dies and not just iron man dies he sacrifices himself to save humanity specifically to save humanity from a uh enemy that's obsessed with depopulation which is thanos um so just like in real life where bill gates is obsessed with depopulation and is clearly an evil nerd um (laughs) In the same way, in the movies, um, you have, and Elon's opposed to Gates, very obviously. In the movies, you have, oh, there's Thanos versus Iron Man. Um,
2: And Iron Man's this like AI-human hybrid, mm -hmm. just like Musk is, you know, trying to do.
1: So So that's another aspect of this technocracy. Another one of the goals of this elite class is how do you create the most advanced human your philosopher king um through technology so they there's this idea of a singularity that's promoted in the mainstream and basically anybody who's a secular atheist doesn't understand spirituality uh is loves the project like all all the normies like oh my god i just would love to merge with a machine and and live in a simulation where i can control everything um, and that's exactly what uh, Musk is working on with um, with Neuralink, and one of the most in, one of the most interesting aspects about that um, is that that is an, um when Elon was on Joe Rogan's podcast uh, during the pandemic, talking about Neuralink, where he says, um, I think human I think in there he says human testing within like two years. Um, he specifically mentions that it'll be able to translate speech in real time. So essentially, all, commu- all humans will be able to communicate with each other um, and there'll be one world language. Um, and for biblical scholars out there, you remember uh, Babylon, the Tower of Babel, where everybody spoke one language and tried to create a tower so tall that it reached up to the heavens and then to go to war with god and to kill him and take yeah. over the
2: universe exactly <laughs>
1: yep so and then what happens god destroys babylon so you see elon musk also build, building tall structures that are going to the heavens mm-hmm. um and trying to uh form a one world language um And that's what's really interesting if, if, um, for those out you out there who are familiar with the Georgia Guidestones, I'm sure you're waiting for me to bring those up. Um, If you wanna look at these, all these aspects of the society that the New World Order wants to form, all you have to do is go to Elberton, Georgia, about an hour outside of Atlanta, and you'll see a megalithic stone structure erected on March 22nd, 1980, um which has 10 principles uh that essentially are going are hold the aspects of what this new world order would look like and for instance the number one is maintain human population under 500 million which obviously at a population now (laughs) did we hit 8 billion yet
2: i think we're close yeah
1: so obviously a lot of people they don't uh are uh they don't really care for and are trying to get rid of so um
2: random side note i don't even i'm honestly so down the rabbit hole right now that i
0: don't even (laughs) believe that there's billions of people on this planet
1: yeah it could be an (laughs) over yeah no way to know yeah i mean
0: how do you even you know measure that
2: right (laughs) and when like i don't know like it seems like um the world's just a lot smaller like you know there's so many people that are connected you know like yeah. you talk to people you're like oh i know so and so you know there's just so many weird connections between people like people will be related to people that you know or like i've met so many people that like know celebrities or like you know just like
0: i don't know it just seems a lot smaller than they make it seem well yeah that might be just a function of the internet Your cultures and yeah yeah could be that for sure everyone's on social media and TikTok now mm-hmm. it just it, it blends mm-hmm. everything together i've noticed like even in english a lot of people are just using the same words now and the same mannerisms that are just kind of being pushed through algorithms as well and i wonder whether that's intentional or just a function of everyone using technology at the same time it's like the zoomer speak is like Mm -hmm. just (laughs) infecting everyone and Mm -hmm. everyone's saying the same thing so we're already kind of Going that direction, we don't have to have Neuralink, but because everyone's consuming the same things online, uh, then naturally, like the things that you hear eventually seep into your vocabulary itself.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting you bring that up too, because that same concept we were talking about with Marvel comics being used I didn't really get into this, I talked about how they're using it as propaganda in the US, but actually, comic books were used as propaganda across the entire world. You can look up, there was a book written about how Disney comics specifically were being distributed in South America to promote capitalism and, um, and fight um, the ideas of communism in these countries. Um, so they're actually that American mainstream media, what we see as entertainment is after World War II, really um, specifically, was disseminated around the world, and it. Um, if you talk to if you talk to people from outside of the U.S. or the English speaking world, um, a lot of them, if they weren't formally educated in English, they've been able to learn English just by because they're always watching um, Western television. Yeah. Um, so that's that is an aspect for sure as they're trying to get um, you know form the singularity of, of humanity have complete control so
0: that's definitely a big aspect of it so what what's the solution like i always a lot of people will get into the weeds with this stuff and then start to see all these things and you know their previous ideas of the world are shattered and like there is like this there are people that want to increase their power over everyone else what is the solution if there is one like what what do we do in our daily lives that will Uh, help to kind of fight back against this. I, in my own thoughts, think that as much as possible to reduce your dependence on the government Mm -hmm. and on the power structures, like the most rebellious thing you can do in a way is, you know, grow your own food Mm -hmm. and just like form communities around you with the people that, you know, might be unaware. Um, How do we, I guess on some levels, we can't control what other people do. Uh, but how, how do you separate from that? And I know you guys have probably gone down into the the weeds of this, so it became become very demotivating. And like yeah. you think, mm-hmm. you know, oh, what can I do? I'm just one person. But there are, there is always, you know, the silver lining. And like this kind of this whole propaganda march has been occurring for decades, like since World War II, since before we were born. Mm-hmm. So what do we do in general? to kind of you know fight back in a way.
2: Well, I think there's like two things. If you truly believe in God, the the scriptures say that these times um you know we should actually be rejoicing because it means yeah. it's, it's coming to an end and the new world is approaching. Not the generic new world order, age of Aquarius, all that crap. It's like the actual new world. But um a good, a
0: good, Yeah, good,
2: yeah, good, yeah. Right? yeah. Um but other than that, um yeah, I do believe that people should start going off grid and creating their own self-sustaining societies. Um, and like I was telling you the other day, like even Agenda Twenty Twenty or Agenda Twenty Thirty, like they predict that people are going to go off into the wilderness and create their own little cities away from the packed, smart cities and all that stuff. Like yeah. they, they're they're expecting resistance.
1: Yeah. So yeah, no, great question. I think there's I think there's two big aspects to it, and and especially being in this. You know being in this niche for so long um when you were talking about the initial awakening period it's definitely jarring and um and you can definitely just go into straight depression and despair um you know when you figure all this stuff out but i think the the response in the solution part is twofold one it's it's first you have to get yourself right um yeah. and you can all this really the only power this ruling class has over us is um, the attention we give them so in the same way that in ancient societies the population was uh, would worship the kings as god kings and there would be a pantheon of gods that's the same way that um, they maintain control today specifically with these superheroes where before it was you know religious um now Marvel, the Marvel series is more well-known than the Bible. I bet you could (laughs) fucking bring up a character in Marvel and the average person would know who it is, but you bring up a character in the Bible and they'd have no idea. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, is to take all the power back from those idols um, and focus on yourself, you know, obviously your health and your mental health and um, and making sure that your... um, your lifestyle is what you want. So obviously that's the first, that's the first thing is worry about yourself. It doesn't really matter if the, if the elite are going to kill you, then it doesn't really matter if you, you know, kill yourself first through, um, through just living in despair and not actually doing anything for yourself. Mm-hmm. Secondly, and this is obviously, this is the more, I think the more direct answer that people would be looking for. Um, this is obviously, you know, again, something I have thought about a lot and I know you have too. Um, yeah, so I guess the the direct um, solution that we're looking for here is is we have to look at how did they get us to this situation? Um, how did they convince this population into giving over their rights more and more into accepting the timeline that uh, is, yeah, hmm the choice and yeah, and you know submitting to stuff like lockdowns and whatever and and all types of restrictions of your Liberty. Um, and like we were talking about with digital IDs and whatnot, um, the solution it you have to look back, and this is actually the core of uh, something we mentioned earlier is who casted this spell that's now resulting in Elon Musk being set up to be this global savior and, and this technocracy ruler. Um, It all goes back to Marvel Jack Parsons. Uh, Marvel Jack Parsons, he was friends um, and two other magicians as well. So there's Jack Parsons. Um, And where did he learn his magic from was Aleister Crowley. Um, I'm sure if you're familiar with the occult at all, he's probably the most like outward public magician of all time. Um, So Parsons was, uh, learned his magic and his occult stuff from Crowley. And then the third guy, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, you may know him as the founder of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's interesting About the whole, uh, I guess, the recent
0: Tom Cruise kind of pushed back and so on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and Hollywood's
2: pretty much all controlled by Scientology. And so that's where you kind of get the connection of all these propaganda pieces, you know, because Hollywood's totally controlled by these weird occultists. Mm-hmm. And they're putting all these spells on people, telling people, you know, watch the Elon or watch the Iron Man, Thanos stuff. Like, you know, it's all programming, mm-hmm. you know, to socially engineer the Civil War. And yeah, so, so go ahead.
1: Yeah, so that's actually, that's a great point right there is um, is we have to, like I said earlier, we're gonna connect science and, and media to magic. Um, and that's uh, Alan Moore, the creator behind, um, behind Watchmen, V for Vendetta, um, and uh, Dr. Manhattan, who um, Elon has posted pictures of recently within the last month or so. Um, he was a another public outward um, facing chaos magician, admitted, and he has some very interesting quotes about what he believed magic to really be. Mm-hmm is magic is something that changes the consciousness of other people and therefore the reality of, of life and civilization. Mm. And he specifically said that making art images, words, stories, especially most powerful affects the public consciousness, which is the most powerful form of magic. So when you look at, you know, they, um, Crowley, Parsons and Hubbard all worked together essentially to do a ritual in 1946, um, the year before Roswell, um, which formed the, which necessitated the formation of the CIA and the Air Force. Um, they did a ritual to summon this moon child, which is essentially. Well, they were
2: summoning Babylon.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. This
2: demon goddess. But also, yeah, as a part of the moon child ritual. Yeah, so.
1: moon child ritual. So. Um, they did this ritual and essentially to summon or to summon Babylon. Um, and the book Moonchild by Aleister Crowley is about, um, a battle between, um, light magicians and dark magicians. So like, um, very star Warsy and they're fighting over, um, the creation of this child, um, through, and i think nick could probably get into this more um it was basically it had a mother but no father essentially right well so they're, kind they're of like a force
2: they're I basically the, the white lodge and the black lodge were basically fighting over who gets to have con- or who gets to like be in control of the moon child so like which lodge is going to raise up this uh leader of the new aeon or the new age um but yeah i mean that's basically it and that's and that's what we're seeing is like you know, people that are like involved with QAnon and Trump, they always talk about white hats and black hats. And then we have like the Elon Musk and the Bill Gates thing. Like, I think we're literally watching two, two lodges of magicians, like Luciferians and Satanists, fighting each other back and forth. But truly, none of these sides are here for us. It's just like, I mean, I think that's how the, the devil or whatever you want to call it, evil operates in this world. Like, these people do control the world, but I don't think they're all on the same page. I think they're all in fighting. I mean, they're sociopaths. They're all probably fighting with each other. They all want to rule the world.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's—I think it goes to a certain level of um, yin and yang, where anything you're we're never going to achieve, a, you know, a perfectly light and love society. It's just not how the world works. Um, it's not how this realm is, is structured. So there's always going to be these aspects of, of you know fighting back and forth and, and opposition. Um, just to go back to that ritual, though. Um, so how do they implement this moon child ritual to to, um, uh, to summon this leader of the new Aeon, the new age? Um, essentially, what's ended up happening since then is we have the Marvel comics, obviously, programming the entire world, just like Alan Moore talked about.
2: Okay, I had one thing? Yeah. Um, even the creation of comics is like,
1: I don't know, this is a,
2: remember we were watching that video where that schizo guy sent an email? to one of our favorite content creators. And he basically goes on this long rant about how the second commandment that God gave is the most ignored commandment ever. And it's basically thou shall not create any graven images of things in heaven or the waters below or yada, yada, yada. And like, that's literally what comic books, media, song, like anything, that's, that's what all this stuff is. It's all magic. It's all changing consciousness because we're recreating God's creation and we pretty much, I mean, I'm not saying people like worship um, comic books. Oh, I mean, they are. I mean, so this is all, idol, it's all, it's all idol worship. I mean, that's what we're doing when we were creating. Funko pop. Yeah. Uh, and media, media is literally the thing that has like pretty much fried our brains the most out of all this stuff.
1: Yeah. hundred um, percent. So yeah, exactly what, what Nick's saying is that like, um, that's exactly how they've been able to manifest this um this scenario that they they wanted to um, accomplish back in 46 um and so that implementation of this um of this spell the scenario to get a ruler for the new aeon has been implemented through the media like we were talking about and specifically, you can see um, through science as well, which they are collaborating. Which Parsons, you know, friends with Scientology, um, Alron Hubbard, and Hubbard was actually in the desert with him while they while this ritual was performed.
2: Quick side note: He pretty much just took all of Jack Parsons' research and turned it into Scientology. That, oh, that's really? yeah, that's pretty much what he did.
1: Okay, nice, nice. Um, and so after that, you have Scientology, which has some of the biggest actors um, in Hollywood. And those actors can choose whatever you know they can choose what movies to be in they can even write their own scripts so basically they'll just do whatever the scientology organization they say okay this is you know this is an idea or a story you want to tell the people to program them in a certain way and then those actors will implement it if you think about um how movies tom cruise has been in has affected culture people talk about um which it was, uh, I enjoyed his his most recent movie for sure, Um, (laughs) uh, really cool, but um, Top Gun, people talk about Top Gun being basically like a propaganda advertisement for the U.S. military, Um, and then Will Smith, who is not a public, he does not publicly say he's a Scientologist um, like Tom Cruise does. Will Smith, though, um, he started a a Scientology school for kids, him and his wife did, and in one of their old houses and had their own kids go to it where they're basically teaching principles of Scientology. So um, and this actually relates to Will Smith's recent smack, very public smack, where if you notice, that took over culture for like a week. Out of everything happening, everyone was debating over and talking about Will Smith. So that yeah. kind of shows you exactly how much these Scientologists control our culture. And to go even deeper into the slap, Scientology is uh, referred to as uh, by its own um, members as a not turning the other cheek religion. Mm-hmm. Where Jesus said, turn the other cheek. If somebody hits you, turn the other cheek, let them hit you again. Um, Scientology, if you do something against Scientology, it is, their, um, it is their philosophy that they will hit you back.
2: Yeah, there's there's even a book um, that, like no one can find it. It's really hard to find. Um, there's only a couple copies in circulation and L. Ron Hubbard was selling them for like $1,500 a piece and made people sign NDAs, but it was called Excalibur. And um, some of the only like things that have been leaked from it is that basically the main principle of Scientology is to survive, survive, survive. So they're not concerned with like, you know, it's survival of the fittest. That's basically what they're saying is like, that's all that matters is power dynamics. Mm. Not love or empathy or compassion or anything like that.
1: Very interesting. Um, so yeah, the, the um, so you have, and now think of Will Smith's movies, how much Will Smith's movies has, has affected culture um, and uh, specific, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot more that we can go into with that, but. That's just an example of those are the foot soldiers that are rapidly shaping the mass human consciousness and and the media landscape. So you have Parsons contacts in NASA and the space industry. You have L. Ron Hubbard with Scientology on the media front. And those two fused the common thread being the magic of Crowley. Um, And yeah, that's that's basically where this um where Elon Musk's power is essentially coming from is the media landscape those guys created to um yeah to, to basically get everybody on board with them they ran the most the Marvel series those 22 movies was the most expensive um and well-funded publicized series of all time
2: and uh interestingly before Crowley Crowley was a uh... Trying to finish the work of John Dee. John Dee, the uh, personal magician and astrologer, mathematician, inventor of uh, Queen Elizabeth I, I I believe. And uh, he was basically like the queen would basically have him like astral project, like go to the spirit realm and basically spy on other kingdoms and stuff and see what was going on. And um, every time he would like go on like a mission or whatever, he would sign his letters to the queen 007. With a, with, yeah, yeah, because the zero, the zeros were eyes, and the seven was a protection sigil. Um, so it meant for the queen's eyes only, and that's where you get 007 from. Um, Ian Fleming was friends with Lester Crowley, and uh, that's the creator of James Bond. And so that's where that whole thing comes from. But besides that, John D. was just a genius. I mean, he was inventor, mathematician, all this stuff. But he was creating some of the first like very crude computers, and so that's you know that's how the computer AI all this stuff ties into you know, going all the way from Crowley to Parsons, blah, blah. It's a, it's it's a huge, it, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's you know? a huge lineage that's been going on for like 6,000 years.
1: And that's interesting The Ian Fleming thing as well, um, connected with, uh, uh, connected with Crowley. And he was also good friends with Alan Dulles, who basically, he, he was the head of the CIA. Um, he was fired by, um, he was fired by JFK, uh, probably based off of the, um, the Bay of Pigs invasion, which which happened without the president's consent. So it's basically the CIA trying to run um our military, which they basically do still. But Dolas, um uh when JFK was assassinated, then Dolles ran the Warren Commission. So the guy who JFK was in clear opposition to mm-hmm. ended up running the investigation into his oh assassination. Yeah. And he um and yeah, the CIA to this day. Is- uh,
2: Ian Fleming was MI6 too, so. Yeah, yeah. He was- so, he loved- oh, so there you go. That's, yeah. And that's
1: the other thing is the the whole idea of James Bond. That was one of the first, if you, uh, like I was saying earlier. Where-
2: Propaganda to make the CIA look cool. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and that was basically as soon as films came out. That was one of the, you know, that was the, one of the first things they worked on was making sure everybody thought that the intelligence agencies, agencies weren't like a secret police you know the bad guy Not only the bad countries have secret police um, that's essentially what our intelligence agencies are above the law can do whatever mm-hmm. they want yeah. and the whole population thinks they're super dope because they watch 007 by mm-hmm. Bill Fleming
2: mm-hmm. and nowadays they're listening to all these ex you know quote unquote ex-CIA people talk about aliens you know they're like oh dude I fucking love this guy like he's he's coming out telling the truth like on Fox and all that stuff where they're talking about the aliens but yeah based on what you were saying that's also
0: controlled opposition yeah yeah i believe so yeah Yeah. i mean you're never ex-cia i mean yeah these people are in it for life what do you what a freedom of information uh like that whole thing like i just it doesn't make sense to me that oh yeah 20 years pass and now you can freedom of information request something um anything and then they'll just release it like do you know what that
1: well, yeah, it, it seems like, oh, wow, this is great. Like, why would they release it? But they still, at the end of the day, they decide what they release. For instance, yeah, they the black J- out stuff the all J- the time. J- the JFK files are still, um, Trump didn't release them. He yeah. said he was going to release them all, and he didn't do it. Biden just pushed it back again. Yeah. Um, so those have still not been released for 60-some years, probably because they implicate George Bush Sr. directly. But um even though he's dead now they still haven't dropped him but um but yeah so there's i mean there's freedom of information Act, but it's like they only release what they want you to see and they'll redact even if they do react or release documents they'll just redact all the important shit out of it yeah
0: and then anything they do release kind of just implements itself into public consciousness Mm -hmm. to get people talking and thinking about the stuff that they want to exactly especially project
2: stargate like oh we should all start experimenting with psychic powers and astral
0: projection like that's a bad thing right i mean it's definitely dangerous for an average person yeah i I believe so that's like human beings have the capacity to you know exist in their spirit body and go outside of the physical realm and you know like that other guy was doing astrally projects across the world or whatever like how How does that work, really? (laughs) Like, do you guys, what are your thoughts on that? And, like, I I think I've, in meditation, kind of had some images come to me Mm -hmm. in my head that's, like, okay, I'm not here, but if I think of a person, like, an image starts to kind of come up in my mind, but then I'll, like, lose concentration and it goes away. Like, there's more to it um, for most humans. And I think a lot of, like, I think every human being that is conscious is capable of that but mm-hmm. we are blocked off in a lot of ways through you know the food we eat our lifestyle uh alcohol drugs it mm-hmm. kind of blunts our capacity things like fluoride um which again you know there's probably a reason why they put fluoride in. it's not like a accidental oh we we genuinely thought it helped teeth it's like (laughs) no it's it's in the water because it gets into the mouth where the nerve endings connect to the brain and kind of calcify that pineal gland which is kind of the seat of our mystical powers Mm -hmm.
1: exactly right yeah um as far as uh how does that work as far as astral projection and stuff it's actually anybody can do it um according to the uh units in the US military that have come forward, um, people that worked in you know adjacent projects to Project Stargate, um, they've come out, there's one public guy you can listen to his interviews where he talks about they had a psychic um, unit in the military where they just took any given, they took a, a selection of military guys and basically anybody can be trained to do it. Um, and yeah, they remote view and they were actually used by the LA police once to track down a kidnapping victim. They were able to find out exactly where they were and get them out. And I believe they were also used in a hostage situation overseas where they used remote viewing to, to figure out where somebody was and, and how, to, how to get them out. So it's- um, They're also predicting yeah. the stock market
2: and uh, like going to casinos and, and calling the numbers and everything like that.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The, the same, or the, uh, like a military unit?
2: Yeah, during Project Stargate, I know for a fact that they did, uh that they were calling the stock market and making a bunch of money. It was actually in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. It was in the newspaper. They're like, oh, CIA, psychic spies, like win a bunch of money on the stock market, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like they didn't care back then to let people know. But um, I know that my friend's dad was taken um, by some CIA people to Vegas and he was, calling numbers at the casino because they taught him to remote view.
1: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So they just remote view into the future.
2: Basically. Yeah. I mean, not the future. It's just like information kind of gets downloaded to you.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, that, that type of stuff is also, I mean, as far as magic and stuff that's included in, um, uh marvel as well of course the the most recent i think some of the most crazy predictive programming is actually in the most recent uh dr strange movie um which includes like uh he oh his third at the end another spoiler for you guys at the end of the movie because of the dark magic he's involved in a third eye physically opens up on his forehead Mm. um and Crowley, if you look at what, some of the most famous pictures of Crowley, he has—he's um, wearing a hat with the um, with a third eye in the in the same position as as Doctor Strange, and um, he yeah. he
0: turns into the goddess of destruction, right? Shiva, like oh, that, that yeah. imagery. in mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, yeah,
1: with like a bunch of hands and shit.
0: Yeah. yeah, which is essentially another version
2: of Babylon, that demon goddess that Jack Parsons was trying to summon in the desert yeah. in 1946. Yeah. Yeah.
0: oh man but yeah
2: to to fully answer the question directly i guess about the you know psychic powers i yeah i think that everyone can use them everyone has them everyone can develop them but i just don't really think it's necessary like to live a good life like i Mm -hmm. i think that it's kind of a luciferian psyop to try and achieve like all these crazy forms of self-mastery that everyone's been obsessing over. Like if you're leaving God out of the equation, it's like, I don't know, none of these things actually help you just be a good person. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's what it boils down to is just be a good person. Like who cares if you're astral projecting across the world and calling, you know, fucking lottery numbers. Like that's not what life is about.
1: And I think, I think also magic and stuff like that. It always has um, it's putting your will over, you're basically telling the universe, okay, I want something and I'm better than God, so I want I want things to play out the way I want to, and then there's unintended consequences. So just like in that, um, like I was talking about with the Doctor Strange movie, literally the whole theme of that movie is in order to have things play out the way he wants. He is forced to use dark magic, mm-hmm. and then there's negative side effects. Even though it looks like he wins in the in the overall narrative, he wins, but he faces the consequences for it. So there's always like there's <coughs> always going to be blowback, especially with with these magical aspects. And really, what um, what's a more effective method is just have complete faith in the universe, yeah, God, yeah, exactly. whatever you want. And if you have let what belongs to you come to you, if you just do that, then that's you don't actually have to physically manage anything. If you just have Mm -hmm. um, faith, it's it's much more effective
2: and uh, kind of been coming from a Christian perspective the whole time. But even from a non-Christian perspective, like even like Buddhist monks, they will develop, um, you know, supernatural powers, but they won't use them they'll develop them, they'll like spend their lives, you know, meditating and purifying their bodies and developing these spiritual powers, but they won't use them because they think if they do, it's like prideful or egotistic and it'll create bad karma actually. And then they, they really believe that if they start using these things, they can't uh, actually leave samsara. So in order mm-hmm. to to- in, in some traditions, like in, o- in order to totally leave the wheel of reincarnation, you have to totally master all those things, but never actually use them.
0: Mm. what if you're using them for quote-unquote good
2: I see I don't think that we're smart enough to know what is good for anything
0: mm.
1: yeah that actually goes back to um, it, what's really important probably the one of the most important verses in the bible what, um, that's gotten a huge amount of attention is extremely important to these occult groups is Genesis 3.22 which is now we eat of the, um, of the tree or eat the fruit of the tree and now knows good and evil, where Adam takes a bite of the apple, knows the difference between good and evil and is kicked out of paradise. And becomes like a god, though. Oh, oh yeah. They become like God, knowing good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, if you know the Secret Society at Yale, Skull and Bones, um, which, all, which um, both Bush presidents, their father, um, a bunch of Rockefellers, John Kerry, so John Kerry ran against Bush. They were both skull and bones members in 2004. Um, that skull and bones, they're the symbol of that secret society. Under the skull and bones, they have, they always include the number 322. And that's essentially what that's in reference to. And that's also, um, if you caught that earlier, the megalithic New World Order stone structure mm-hmm. in Georgia, the Georgia Guidestones was erected on March 22nd, which is 322. Um, so it all really goes back to that. Um and actually, um, so there's a there's a few other things. They talk about in there, they say, you know, man becomes like God by knowing good and evil. Um, and then there's this phrase, um, children of men. Um, so children of God becoming like God. Then what would be the children of men becoming like men would be AI becoming, um, you I'm know, sure. gaining sentience. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's what we're seeing. If you notice on, the, if you look on the back of your iPhone, there's the Apple with the with a bike taken out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's literally, again, the exact same message. And <laughs> that is, and eventually what all that leads to is technology becoming like man, which is what Elon represents at the end of the day is, um, we talk about him being like a Christ-like figure, um, except, you know, the opposite so moon child um you could look at jesus as kind of a sun child son of god the cross is the solar symbol um the moon child would be the opposite so where jesus is supernatural and divine by natural means um along with the with the laws of the universe the moon child is so in iron man He is a great superhero because of technology enhancements Mm -hmm. that fix the imperfections of humanity. Man making himself God, Mm -hmm. basically. So, and what does that end up doing? You end up merging with machines. So, um, where Jesus was resurrected, um, Iron Man in the comics is brought back as an AI, which... um, which he actually does in the movies, you can see um, the AI that Iron Man uses is called Jarvis, and that is the name of his old butler. So essentially he replaced his human butler after he died with an AI and named it. So that's essentially the singularity and what they're aiming for. I just
2: realized that symbolism's even in Moonfall. Did you go see that movie? Yeah. Yeah, the dude is literally, you know, the moon child, the dude is rebirthed inside of the moon as an AI.
1: Oh, wow! Well, yeah, that's a direct inside of the moon. Itself. Yeah, inside that's of the moon, the yeah. Most, yeah, that's the most explicit um, moon child <laughs> yeah. since 2001 Space Odyssey. Um, to, to talk about that, too, that movie was written by Roland Emmerich. Um, Roland Emmerich is a West German immigrant to the United States who is really fond of fascist leaders. He has <laughs> pictures of them and <laughs> portraits of them inside of his house, but he wrote movies like 2001, He was in charge of movies um, like 2012, the apocalyptic film, um, Independence Day with Will Smith, which basically um, showed the scenario that they're hoping for, that they're also going to uh, integrate in this whole thing, which is a part of the Avengers (laughs) series as well, which what ends up uniting the whole world behind Iron Man is an alien invasion. (laughs) Um, So, and in in Independence Day too. They even have, um, they have the, the world, after the first invasion, the world unites and basically has a, a one world government. So, uh, what else did world number, right? Stargate itself, um, which it's really funny how they do it in movies, like predictive programming, where the actual project Stargate um, was about astral projection and yes, traveling through the universe, but not physically doing it through the mind. Um, in the physical star, in the movie Stargate, they go through a physical portal, which is, you know, much more, um, understandable to a normie and, 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 um, that goes, you know, where that, that's science fiction. If you were just to talk, if you were to have a movie about the actual project Stargate or similar things where people are astral projecting, that would be just fiction.
2: Well, there's, there's men who stare at goats. Which is based on Project Stargate, where yep. they're they're creating psychic spies.
1: Okay, gotcha. I'm, I'm just I'm just um giving an example. Okay, right? okay. My point there was that science fiction, when um, the world reality became more and more like science fiction, at the time of NASA and Disney, when mm-hmm. when both Disney World and NASA were being built in Florida, less than an hour away from each other. Um, Walt Disney and Werner von Braun, that same Nazi scientist who wrote Mars Project where he talks about Elon, they were on TV together all the time showing uh, basically mock-ups of what to expect Mm -hmm. when they went to space. So it's always been at that time after World War II, there was, um, and since then you can see this obviously, there was a huge pivot from religion, and religion and the Bible stories being the most well-known and essentially being the core programming to science fiction, like Star Wars, which I, as I mentioned before, is essentially a it's a small adaptation of Aleister Crowley's yeah. Moonchild. Yeah, White Lodge versus Black Lodge. Yeah, the Sith versus the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see at that point they switched Everything from that point forward, since they did that Moonchild ritual, our entire culture has been pivoted to this worship of science fiction and oh, just oh, Marvel, ooh, Captain America, get your Funko Pops, kids, uh, <laughs> and that's essentially to the point we've gotten to where idol worship is so normalized that people are okay with it. Well, you we don't even realize it, I don't think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I guess I mean there's you know you're not I guess you're not physically worshiping Iron yeah. Man, but when you obsess twenty four seven about him and, and you know uh, and get all the merch and whatever and and then you see the real life Iron Man doing things, of course you're going to support whatever he does, especially when he's when it looks like he's opposed to the real life Thanos, uh, old Billy Gates. Who, yeah. Anyways, you know, that's. I really like the one
2: thing you were telling me the other day about how uh, these people are propped up. You know, they look like superheroes on the screen and then they go out and make political statements and like that's the real superpower. It's like, oh, everyone is idolizing them because of their role on the screen. And then they come out and they're used by the government to push different agendas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, another popular series, um, two popular series right now, um, you have Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. You have uh, The Boys. Uh, which are both. The Boys is about a group of superhero mutants managed by the government. It's like a more realistic, grittier version of the Avengers or the Justice League, or um, or the version that Alan Moore, that chaos magician I was talking about before. His version was called The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, all these motifs of there being a group of superheroes that you know um, save the world.
2: And regulated by the government yeah
1: uh that's all essentially what they're telling you is is um it's a reflection of reality it's not exactly reality but the reason that motifs repeated over and over again is they're creating just like the like i was talking about before the government's ruling class of the past they created a pantheon of gods for their people to worship idols and mm-hmm. then using the power that the people through their attention gave those idols they could say okay this god told me to do this right now and everybody go along with it because oh the idol told me to do this Mm -hmm. um in that same way they're using the actors like if you see fucking mark hamill that piece of shit (laughs) skywalker bitch um i'm glad they ruined your character by the way mark (laughs) (laughs) fucking Anyways, uh, that's what you get. But anyways, uh, Mark Hamill is now basically exclusively a political activist. He's fucking posting about every sci-fi film to man. But, um, all the, all the side, or, um, Star Wars nerds, ooh, the resistance. Oh my God. It's just like in the movies. <laughs> um, so when in reality, he is the empire, but, uh, so anyways, those, that's the power that they're giving in real life. They have all these motifs about fictional superheroes, but in real life, they are creating those same superheroes because now they are idols that the whole, that all these normie, brainless, you know, NPCs are worshiping um, by giving their attention to 24 seven. So when the guy who plays Captain America, also a bitch, um, (laughs) when he fucking tweets about gun control, then every oh my god I must disarm myself and allow the government to put me in a camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's essentially what the, the whole superhero programming is about. And just a to touch on the Watchmen thing once again, just to show you how powerful these predictive programs and how exact they can be with the full power of the media and uh, the government behind them, the intelligence agencies working in conjunction, which they're basically the same entity. Um, Alan Moore, he wrote, um, so he created the character Dr. Manhattan, which Elon had posted a picture of before. Posted Doc- it twice. Yeah. Uh Dr. Manhattan, the character he's like created via because of radiation exposure. Right? Or he's in like
2: side of a chamber that like can tear apart molecules or something, and he's he's trapped in there, he gets torn apart, and then he like reforms as like this ethereal godlike being.
1: Yeah, essentially a god man. So mm-hmm. the same way we we're talking about Philosopher King. Um that it, he essentially is that. And in that story, he basically becomes, he basically, nothing happens on Earth without his say-so, and he likes to go to Mars <laughs> yeah. for solitude and, and said, all oh, wow. oh, these people. And that's literally the pictures that Elon posts is of uh, Dr. Manhattan on Mars. But um, Alan Moore, he wrote the comic book, V for Vendetta, which later became the movie. And what's the plot of be for Vendetta? There's a anonymous rebellious uh, entity leader that goes by one letter and he tells everybody, remember, remember the 5th of November, and then the end of the movie is them marching against the corrupt government and marching on the Capitol. And-, and there's a pandemic going on, Yeah, right? oh, yeah. and yeah. The, yeah. then the <laughs> pandemic that's going on, they find out in the movie that it's a government up, uh, it's a government-created um, pandemic to increase authoritarian control. So, literally, that movie played out in real life with QAnon, got all these boomers riled up, and got them to think, like, oh, I'm going to go storm the Capitol. I'm going to walk right in, which, again, you know, they obviously were let in and shit.
2: You know who was in charge of the whole anonymous movement? Who? Well, not totally in charge, but people that were promoting it were heavy chaos magicians. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, well, yeah, there you go. Um so yeah that's that goes to show you this uh specifically alan moore um but that is the ideology of um of this whole ruling class that it's, that it's basically casting these spells to create this time mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry sorry hold on let me now the original question and on a nice note the original question you had asked that started this discussion of the Moonchild child ritual and stuff is what do we do? How can we fight back? So my, well, how I started answering that question was we have to look at how did they start implementing this timeline? They did it through sub programming, the public subconscious using fictional movies and comics. So the project that me and Nick have been working on um, and that we're um, in the process of implementing right now is making, You know, we're calling it a documentary. You could look at it as a, it's kind of like a multifaceted project. But essentially what we're going to do is release a fictional movie, kind of like in, you could think of like a National Treasure 3 type vibe, um, which is going to be roughly based off of um, some of these locations. We just went on a road trip um, and really went to Georgia Guidestones, Jekyll Island, a lot of these uh, Mammoth Cave, Pantheon in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, did some investigating and actually found out a bunch of really cool shit. Um, but, anyways, we're going to make a fictional movie like that um, that ties together and includes actual connections, real information. But don't. But we're not going too deep into it, much like the subtle programming in, um, in the, like the Marvel movies, for instance. They they mention Operation Paperclip in um, the Marvel movies but they don't really go into detail of, oh yeah, the Americans, we really did in real life bring over Nazi scientists and made them extremely powerful in in American culture instead of punishing them. Um, In that same way, that's what we're going to do and then um, separately release a um, kind of like a data dump that'll have all the background information and uh, 100% backed up and ironclad sources to show people exactly what happened and how exactly real it is but on the flip side you'll still be able to use the original movie and show it to people and it have it'll be highly culturally relevant like people will want to watch it because it's entertaining and also it it makes it so you can't be attacked because if we just released a documentary and said oh hey this is what we're doing and We want to prevent the ruling class from instituting a global um dystopian technocracy if we did that then we would be attacked that's by releasing this um we're essentially doing a in a way a counter spell to what parsons crowley and hubbard did what now almost 80 70 years ago whatever um and that's i think as far as, cause we can, at the end of the day, you can only control yourself. Like I said, the first part of my answer, but you can, my goal, or what I think is, is, um, is my mission is to just give people the option. You can't, you know, you can't, um, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So I just want to give people who were like me when I started this research, who had an honest desire for the truth, I want to give them a chance to choose it. Um, and I think that's the, that's what a fictional, you know, presenting something as fictional like that uh, is a good way of doing. And that's why they've used it to to manifest the timeline. We're an incident. Yep. So
0: when can we see that from you guys?
1: That's a great question. <laughs> um, probably, um, hopefully within a year, um, I'd like it to be done in, in 2023. Just like how Endgame was set in twenty twenty three. Um, I think it'd be an effective uh, you know, counter spell. But but yeah, we have um we're laying it out and there's gonna be um you know, we're gonna be updating the uh, our followings about that more um shortly. So yeah, yeah, stay tuned for that. But that's um I the the Dow. Mm-hmm. So, so the um, we're starting this uh, for those familiar with the crypto space, um, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, there, uh, we're going to have an apocalypse DAO to not only to help manage the project in some ways, but also to um, the data dump portion of the movie that will basically have you know direct ties in with the message of the movie. Um, we're going to work with the community of apocalypse now. and the stated goal of the apocalypse now is to bring about the apocalypse, which sounds scary, except when you, um, apocalypse is just the Greek word for revelation, which is why the book of revelation, why we call apocalypse, like the end of the world is because that's the last book of the Bible that describes the end of the age. Um, and what's an apocalypse is just a revelation. What's a revelation is a great revealing of what's been hidden. So we intend, with this documentary, to essentially give you, give the people, reveal absolutely everything through a um, really easily digestible for normies medium. And then for the people who are ready, who want to know deeper, then they can fucking, they're like, oh, oh, what? There's a, there's a, there's a complimentary, um, you know, portion to this movie. And then they can look it up and they can see undeniable evidence of of the exact plot and then they can choose if they want to play along or not
0: awesome well I'm looking forward to that Um, thanks guys this has been incredible Nick Hinton Drew Tang this has been Soulcast thank you for listening at home and uh, I'm sure we will yeah the (laughs) revelation is (laughs) going to come yeah
2: yeah thank you for having us man
1: yeah appreciate it